0: Welcome to Sean's Rambles. I'm here doing another interview with the fans, and my fan this week is Rachel Axe. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Sean. So, uh, we know each other. Yes. Uh, From our days when we were ex-military mercenaries for hire.
1: Yeah, Uh, you still owe me for getting you out of that prison. Well, look,
0: for those that don't know, Rachel and I used to make pies in the military, and it was secret pies. And that's how I ended up in prison, because they're actually illegal where we were. But I won't tell you where, because that's crazy.
1: Yeah, we'd have to kill you.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, But in any case, uh, so I wanted to start, Rachel, with a kind of little history about you, because you are obviously a science fiction fantasy fan, and you have been a science fiction fantasy fan for a while. And I want to know, how did you become a science fiction fantasy fan?
1: Um, well, it's one of those things where it's, it's like when people ask me, when did you start writing? And I have to be like, I can't actually think of a time when I didn't. I can't actually think of a time when I wasn't a science fiction fantasy fan.
0: So um, so as long as you've been alive, you, you've you been watching or appreciating sci-fi fantasy stuff.
1: Yeah, basically, like, you know, everything's kind of fuzzy for about the first six to eight years of one's life, but I, I know I was into stuff then, because if nothing else, I remember the Star Trek uniform Halloween costumes. <laughs> That's or great. one year I was a unicorn, so that was pretty cool.
0: That is cool. I once went as a, uh, oh god, I went as R- Ryu from Street Fighter one year. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and then the next year after that, I decided I would be a Ryu, Ryu, uh, and uh, I'd carry a lightsaber, so I was a Jedi Street Fighter <laughs> character.
1: That's all, see because I remember I was let's see, I was Godzilla one year but that was my brother's old costume I was a unicorn my brother was an astronaut um, we had Star Trek uniforms
0: yeah so you've basically been a giant dorks forever yeah it's basically it's all <laughs> my parents fault so <laughs> well so uh, from the from your youth you mean you mentioned Star Trek but I'm curious what would you say were some of the most influential? genre properties from your youth things that really influenced you
1: like the two big things were definitely um star trek for sure because i remember they'd have the star trek marathons on tv and i'd watch those with my dad or with my mom and me and my brother were all into it and i loved lieutenant ohora and i loved everyone in, in the original star trek and then when star trek the next generation started up um because that was like 88 wasn't it
0: it, in late eighties, yeah. I can't yeah. remember exactly when.
1: Because I mean, I was born in nineteen eighty, so like I was there. We we all watched like the the pilot together, and every week we were watching the new episodes. So that was like a huge thing. So I, I grew up with Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, and then kind of the other thing was that my mom actually read out loud to us for a really long time, like every night. She read The Hobbit to us. And she read the entire Lord of the Rings, and that was kind of the, the big introduction to fantasy. But there were also a lot of, like, kids' books that, that she read to us um, earlier that were definitely, like, sci-fi, or not, not even really sci-fi, but more fantasy, like Half Magic and Five Children in It, and... Um, I remember I was always like super into unicorns because what little girl isn't super into unicorns. I had this <laughs> series that was like The Secret of the Unicorn Queen and if I could find those books again I would get them in a heartbeat because they were like Saddle Club but way cooler because they had unicorns and badass warrior women riding around on unicorns.
0: And... <laughs> that sounds like a lot of a lot of fun. Did you read Goosebumps yeah. when you were a kid?
1: I did not because I did not
0: like Goosebumps
1: because I have never liked scary stories
0: fair enough so that like, was not I, your thing
1: <laughs> i remember scary stories to tell in the dark that series that got started when i was a kid and i was like oh no Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> but like um i really loved oh god my little ponies and transformers also very influential
0: Ooh yeah yeah. i remember watching transformers when i was a kid
1: mm-hmm. well and, and i mean you know we, we we talk about sci-fi now but when you come down to it like transformers they're they're giant alien robots And that memory will never be destroyed by Michael Bay. I mean, that, but that's like kids sci-fi right there.
0: Did you watch uh, Ninja Turtles by any chance?
1: I actually didn't because my mom didn't like them for some reason. And I couldn't tell you why.
0: And now I really want to interview your mom to find out why
1: my mom is fucking amazing so you know you think I cuss a lot you should hear my mom she she like as soon basically like as soon as I graduated from high school she was like oh yeah I don't have to monitor my language anymore and that woman just started dropping the F-bomb more than I ever have and it's like damn mom <laughs> that's, my that's mom great. is badass
0: <laughs> I remember uh, I I was a Ninja Turtles fan I still have Ninja Turtle blankets in a box from when oh, I was a nice. kid it's super adorable uh, but I remember, like, I was such a Ninja Turtles fan, uh, and I always loved Raphael because he was the one with the attitude and the size, uh, and I remember they did, like, a rock album, and I had the, I had the cassette tape somewhere in a box of, of their rock album when they, like, oh did a goodness. tour, these animatronics, fake-playing guitars <laughs> on stage. Oh my goodness, that's wonderful. Admit it, that would be kind of awesome to see.
1: Oh no, that would be totally awesome to see, and then, um... Oh, that was the other thing I was thinking about. Okay, so we we had a, a PC like really early on when it was like you know the like the three eighty six.
0: Was it with whatever the it green was. screen?
1: No, no, it was. It, we actually had one that was color, so it was a little bit. Af- you know, it was after the Apple II, so it was like the the four eighty six or the three eighty six. And I, I also remember playing. Um, the Xanth video game which I read a lot of Xanth oh. books because I think my parents didn't know better because on hindsight <laughs> goddamn those books um but also like my big introduction to military sci-fi was Wing Commander Ooh okay yeah and there were like the associated books with it and I read a bunch of those and yeah
0: Excellent. So let's jump a little bit ahead. Then, so we've gone over some of the stuff that influenced you as a kid, things like Star Trek and uh, My Little Pony, Transformers. Uh, We've obviously (laughs) My
1: Little Pony before French before Friendship was magical. There was just My Little Ponies. (laughs) Uh,
0: You know, all of these kinds of things. Uh, We won't we won't uh, talk too much about uh, a certain someone that's tried to destroy our childhoods, and will continue to Mm -hmm. do so because he's Satan. Uh, Yeah, but. Moving to the present, I mean, who have been some of the more influential or favorite writers um, in, say, like, the last 10 years for you? Uh
1: gosh, the last 10 years. I mean, like, the – the oh, God, and I'm so terrible at names. That's the really bad part. <laughs> um, God, this the a mean question. So, like, every time um, N.K. Jemisin – or, and and I, I always feel bad because I, I never know if I'm pronouncing her name right. But um, Netty Okorafor, every time either of them have a new book out, I am on it because all their stuff is just so gorgeous. Um, I really, really like Ian Trigellis. I, I like his work, and he's also just a fantastic human being. Um, actually, like, I, I, I love Don Scalzi's stuff just because it's so readable. Like It's just fun. I mean, that, that's, those are the ones that spring instantly to mind. Oh, oh, Naomi Novik. Oh, my goodness. I love her
0: stuff. Yep, another good one. So in, in what way would you say that some of these writers have sort of influenced you? I mean, obviously you're a writer, so I suspect that it has influenced your writing a bit. But, I mean, has it affected you as a person in any way?
1: I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> I, I think, like, the biggest influence, particularly N.K. Jemisin and, and – Nettie for I've had on me is just me being like, why can't I write prettier? Because their language is so beautiful. Like their use of language is just gorgeous <laughs> and, I, and I'm jealous. But um, I, I think N.K. Jemison in particular, I, I actually can say has kind of influenced me in, in being more aware of just kind of the way people build culture in books has led me probably unsuccessfully to try to be a little more conscious of things and try to, like, you know, reverse expectations and, and kind of be very thoughtful about, you know, how the whole influences the culture and that influences the story. But she, she does amazing world building. Oh,
0: that's fair. Yeah. Uh, well, let's take that, that question at a different angle then and kind of think of it more broadly. Um, you know, being a science fiction fan for so much of your life, I mean, what does... What does genre fiction mean to you as a person?
1: I think genre fiction is just, it, it's a really excellent place to reflect on questions that are maybe a little too difficult to try to, to separate from from modern context or it's a different way to look at the modern context, because, you know, we keep saying, like, especially science fiction, it's it's supposedly written about the future, but it's really written about today.
0: Hmm.
1: And just kind of imagining, because it's still a story about imagining where we are now and how we could get somewhere else. And what kind of future do we think we could have, which is really a commentary on what's going on today. So, you know, that that's, that's kind of what it's always meant to me is just the sort of larger reflection of the culture and the culture's hopes and fears and lately there's been a lot more fear than hope but I'm kind of hoping that's going to turn around
0: <laughs> yeah, I hope so too
1: <laughs> yeah cuz dystopia fatigue is it's it's real <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that's certainly... I, I, genre kind of goes through these uh, these cycles where there's like that new it thing and then they, the publishers bludgeon us to death with it and then we get tired of it and we find the new it thing and they bludgeon us with that. I mean, like it, for a while it was kind of the paranormal romance thing and I f- think it's still kind of there, but it's not as strong. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the dystopia one, like especially YA dystopias, like talk about the weirdest area to have nothing but just horrible futures where everything's terrible like really you're going to give that to young people Wow.
1: well I mean you know there, there is always that kind of like chicken and egg thing about like is it influence you know is it reflecting or is it influencing or all that and, and I mean honestly of all the fiction it actually makes more sense, the most sense to me right now to to that you're seeing it in like young adult and new adult that there's this this you know this, this dystopia thing because I, I don't you know I, I have a lot of friends that are kind of yeah, a little older than young adult age but you know teenagers like a lot of people that I talk to online um, in, in some of, like the, the the games I play and stuff and it it, it is not very hopeful in many ways <laughs> so I, I think there is the sort of wish fulfillment or fantasy element of you know everything is shit and everything is terrible and everything's getting broken down but maybe one person can you know (laughs) one really awesome person can manage to tear down this really phenomenally awful system that's trying to grind us all down and make it not suck or make it suck less and when you consider the context of like you know and and i i'm I can't believe I'm saying this to you, Sean, because you're you're in the same you're in the same shitty situation as everyone else were when you consider it the, in the context of student debt and um, the, the the wage gap and shitty job prospects. Yeah, it, and and you know a bunch of people in power who spend all their time telling you that you're just not working hard enough. Oh God,
0: yeah, I hate that.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I I honestly I think that's what is kind of influencing a lot of the dystopia stuff because it's it's taking this this you know this current feeling of like angry hopelessness that that you sometimes get and and just kind of tells you a story where you're like it may feel hopeless but maybe someone will shoot it full of arrows and it'll be okay somehow
0: yeah somehow it'll it'll work out right
1: <laughs> yeah you know maybe if we just if we just kill president snow it'll be all right yeah
0: well know. and then she has to kill the other lady well,
1: well yeah which is very interesting too
0: yeah that's it's the double-headed dragon both both really uh, awful sides of the same coin Ugh. yeah uh well you're you're right you're right it, it there is a sense of uh despair and i and i guess since i haven't been a young adult in a very long time i don't know what it what it, they must be feeling but it must not look good from their angle either
1: yeah well i mean if you think about how it kind of feels from your angle, like, you know, how you're feeling about your future prospects. And then you think about like, you're getting ejected out of high school into this when you're like, Oh, yeah, I can go to college and end up with $50,000 of student debt. And that might get me a job that'll pay me like 12 bucks an hour if I'm lucky.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel Yeah, if you're definitely you're looking at your entire future ahead of you, and it's just despairing. Uh, it's, I guess it's a little different in my case, where I was hopeful, and then I got to this position <laughs> where, where I realize I don't have a future.
1: <laughs> well, I I think that's what the difference is. Kind of like if you look at the generation, like you know, you and I are old enough that w- you know we we were we were heading into to college before the economy took a poop. I mean, I I what I was uh, I was twenty one when. The, the war in Iraq started, um, you know, that thing. But that, you know, in a, in a way, that's almost when it feels like things really like started going downhill. But we kept getting fed this, this exceptionally hopeful vision of like, you know, hey, you get out there and you work hard and you're going to get an awesome job and you buy a house and you never lose money on real estate. And then we got into the reality and we're like, what the fuck is even going on? Whereas the people who are maybe like, a decade or so behind us to where they're just hitting, getting ready to hit college age or grad student age, they, they are now hearing from us, you know, we, we got told, come on in, the water's fine, and, and we're standing on the shore going, no! Or, you know, we're out in the deep end going, no, don't come in. It's really fucking awful in here. There's sharks. There's sharks. <laughs> There's sharks. They're, sharks. They're going to eat your retirement money before you ever get it. Yeah. Yeah. I that, think that's the difference.
0: That is certainly, uh, you know, I feel like also maybe younger generations feel like they don't buy the rhetoric as much anymore. Uh, You know, like, I I feel like I still bought the rhetoric even up to 2008. And then after 2008, I was like, I don't buy this garbage anymore. (laughs) It's this American exceptionalism. And I'm just like looking at like YouTube videos of, you know, PhDs in physics, like homeless on the side of the street in like Baltimore. And I'm like, yeah, are you serious? We're a country with a guy with a PhD in physics and he can't get a job. Like, mm-hmm. that's insane to me. But, you know. Well, in any case, so, really quick. Uh, yes, <laughs> you, you got dystopias! Very personal. Very personal. Um, I, I want to take a few, a few minutes, actually, just talk briefly about your own work, because you do write. You yes, write I genre do. fiction. You have written some erotic genre fiction. And you've written just, just some... Just the one. Just the one. Excuse me. Okay, so not some. Just the one. Uh, with the, <laughs> the amazing cover... Uh, which folks can probably find out about it. Maybe you will describe it or not. But um, you also <laughs> written some uh, more general fiction so, with, uh, with some really interesting ideas in them. And I want you to talk about that and let people know what, you know, what is your most recent thing so they can kind of check it out.
1: Yeah. I, I have the, the Cap, the captain Rama series, which is a, a steampunk murder mystery stuff. And it, is currently out of print because the publisher folded, but I have a new publisher lined up that I can't really talk about because it's still a super secret, but hopefully they'll start coming back out um, at the end of this year. And uh, that was just mostly like, I I started writing that series because um, that was another one where mom read to us so much and she read the complete Sherlock Holmes to us, like from cover to cover And I always loved that character and found him very interesting, but I really wanted, you know, I wanted there to be, like, a female Sherlock Holmes who was just as fucked up and crazy as dude Sherlock Holmes, who also had kind of, like, her sidekick character who, you know... BBC Sherlock fans, please do not come after me and mail-me-bombs or something, <laughs> but Sherlock and Watson and their entirely platonic relationship. <laughs> so that's why I wrote, like, Captain Ramos and Sims, who are just like, no, never. You know, they're, they're just like BFFs. <laughs> and plus, I also like their... I really like their being the super solid male and female friendships where you don't ever have to worry about, like, oh, they're gonna, you know have like some kind of weird romance thing they're just like buds and you know i feel like that doesn't get emphasized enough because holy shit men and women can manage to be friends
0: and i do love the titles uh of your books i mean the the one here the curious case of miss clementide nimowitz which is amusing and then there's do shut up mr sims
1: <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> really really fun titles that i think convey a sense of what these books are like which are kind of a little bat-shittery, but it's kind of fun that way.
1: They, they are a little bat-shitty.
0: <laughs> but fun. Um, and you said you got a bunch of short stories, so I'll make sure if, uh, there'll be links in the show notes to that so folks can find out you know, where you've had stuff recently and stuff that's uh, coming out. And you also mentioned to me briefly before we started recording that you have an anthology that you were working on that, as of this recording, is not open to subs. Can you talk about it at all? I'm still,
1: you know, I'm, I'm doing like the groundwork and I, I'm working with uh, Stephen at Alliteration, Inc. But the, the whole idea behind it is I want, I mean, ideally I'd like it to be 50% sci-fi and 50% fantasy, but it's going to entirely depend upon quality of subs and all that. But I want to have a whole I, I want to see the flexibility people can get out of the same opening line. And so like the rule for the anthology other than word count will be that the first line of every story has to be no shit there I was. And I, I'm hoping that, that there will be some real creativity and it won't just be like, you know, enti- obviously there should be some like kind of folksy first person narratives in there, but hopefully there will also be other things. Cause I think there's a lot of kind of interesting stuff you could get do with it. So we'll see if yeah. people are as creative
0: as I hope they are. And do you have a website and everything kind of set up for that? Or is that kind of, it's still a little bit in the wind.
1: Um, we're We're gonna be getting the, the the subdomain set up for it shortly once like the call is ready to go out. so basically at this point, I'm just uh, working on with Stephen to to get the the timeline figured out and I mean he and I have like we've hashed out what the the sub the call for submissions is going to look like and everything. so we just need to to finish getting the details together and and figure out what the schedule's going to be. Do you
0: have a name for this anthology?
1: i I think it's just gonna be no shit there at once. Okay. Yes. <laughs>
0: Fair enough, fair enough Well, uh, folks, just keep an eye out Because this this particular episode Probably will go up before The actual call goes up But, you know, keep an eye out Uh, Rachel will be talking about it Uh, Rachel, do you want to tell people where they can find you?
1: Uh, so you can find me at rachelax.com or at katsudon.net they're actually the same domain it's just katsudon.net was this old domain that i had forever and i put another domain name on top of it cuz i thought i should be like a grown-up writer and have a name <laughs> that is a website name that's my name
0: fair enough and your twitter
1: my twitter is at katsudonbury
0: well thanks so much rachel for taking a uh, time out of your day to talk to me uh, about how you became a fan Thank you Perfect. So uh, folks just stay tuned There'll be more stuff If you'd like to support me in doing this thing I do have a Patreon page Patreon.com slash Duke. So yay And on that note, bye